1: he is a senior national writer at HoopsWire.com. You can follow him on Amico Hoops on Twitter. And he joins us right now on the Kenny and JT Show. Sam, how are you today?
0: I'm doing well, gentlemen. I don't
1: know that you wised up, but you invited me on, so it's all good. There you go. Well, uh, we look at it any time we can add a third person to the conversation. That makes the show more intelligent. So thank you for coming <laughs> on with us today. Uh, and we want to talk Cavs, and deservedly so, Sam. Uh, they lose the opener by three at Toronto, and in that game they lost Darius Garland as well in the second quarter. But since then... They haven't lost. They've won eight in a row now, including a rare win over LeBron James and the Lakers yesterday. Uh, Are you shocked by this run that they're on and the fact that they finally beat LeBron for only the second time in 19 tries?
0: I think, I I don't want to say shocked, but I'm surprised. You know, I thought there would be a bigger adjustment with Donovan Mitchell coming in. Uh, I thought that there would be a little bit of Adjustment with Darius Garland going out and then coming back. I thought there would be an adjustment with both of them missing that game in Detroit Friday against the Pistons, and they're just rolling right along. And, you know, I think beating the Lakers and LeBron, and to me, Kenny, it wasn't just that they beat them, but they proved that they're clearly the better team, clearly the franchise that is now on the rise, whereas LeBron's kind of stuck in a really bad situation. The tables have really turned, and I think the way and the ease that the Cavs beat the Lakers in the second half to me really showed, you know, this team is the real deal.
2: Sam, pick up on the real deal, and and by that I mean Donovan Mitchell. Did you expect this type of offensive power, firepower coming out of Donovan Mitchell? Because most of us— I mean, let's be honest. Maybe we saw him play one or two times, maybe during an all-star game. You have any inkling he was gonna be this dynamic?
0: No. I, I don't think the Cavs knew. Wow. You know, I mean he seriously gets to wherever he wants on the floor. He's almost like the Nick Chubb of the Cavs. I mean, he can get to wherever he wants. You set him a pick, he's in the clear. You don't set him a pick, he still gets to where he wants to go. He's just very shifty, very athletic, very smart player. You know, I mean, he's not – he knows when to shoot and when not to. Uh, he keeps his teammates involved while he's scoring 30-plus points a game. He's really and, – and, guys, I have never written this before in a column. Today I wrote – I said, and this isn't a huge thing. It's not an insult. It's just the Cavs have somebody – who is better than LeBron James is today. So he doesn't have LeBron's accomplishments. He doesn't have all that stuff. He's a better basketball player than LeBron James is today, and that's saying a lot. He can do everything on the floor, Mitchell. Um, And I, I don't think that even the Cavs were expecting him to be this good this soon with them. I said
1: they were acquiring an all-star, Sam. I wasn't sure if he was a superstar. He's trending towards becoming a superstar, and it's interesting that you said he's the Nick Chubb of the Cavs because he can get wherever he wants. I'll I'll add this to what you said. He's the Emmanuel Closset of the Cavs as well. He's their closer. So he's Nick Chubb and he's Emmanuel Closset. He's Emmanuel Chubb all rolled up into one. Uh,
0: Spider Mitchell, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good. those are good comparisons. And you heard J.B. Bickerstaff say, and, and this is so true, one thing I've noticed about Mitchell is he's just refusing to let us lose. He is not going to let us lose. And his approach and the way he finishes games and the way he closes uh, really has that mindset of, okay, we need some buckets. I'll go out and get some. Uh, because we're not going to lose this game. And and it's really been fantastic to watch. You know, he's had a couple off, I don't want to say off games, but a couple off quarters. He had, uh, you know, the Cavs didn't play particularly well at home last week against the Knicks. He didn't play great, but they still managed. He still managed to make an impact on the game without scoring 30 points. And I think that says a lot about him and a lot about the depth and cohesiveness of this squad.
2: Well, then you've got to say a lot about our coach because if there's a common denominator here, you go back to last season and we can't wait to see Ricky Rubio back on the floor. But the common denominator is this. J.B. Bickerstaff got more out of Rubio than we ever anticipated, and he's getting a lot out of Donovan Mitchell too. Your thoughts on J.B. Bickerstaff?
0: So often when a coach is good, they say you don't talk about him because he's not getting in the way. He is bringing this all together. Obviously, uh, I, he reminds me, in a sense, of you know, and this team does. Going back 30 years to the Lenny Wilkins era, you know, JB doesn't have the the playing career that Lenny Wilkins had, but he just has that type of personality where it's, I'm not going to yell and scream, but if I do, you know, you had it coming because I don't do it very often. Whether that's a player, whether that's the officials, you know, whether that's just motivating the guys at halftime. You know what's so interesting about these Cavs, by the way, and this to me really says a lot about coaching, they're always better in the second half. Yeah. You know, so many times this year we used to see Cavs teams of the recent past, LeBron era, whatever, they come out in the third quarter and they were sluggish. These teams have been better In the second half, whether it was yesterday, you know, the game was really close. Uh, At halftime, they were down for a while. They came out, what, went on like a 10-0 run to start the third quarter, and by the fourth quarter, the last four minutes were garbage time. You know, so that was just one example. But it really shows that the coach is making adjustments. He's getting his players motivated uh, at halftime, and that, to me, has been – really the best thing about jb bickerstaff and a lot of good things but that's been the best
1: sam amico our guest follow him on twitter at amico hoops you can see his work at hoopswire.com and hear him occasionally here with us on the kenny and jt show and on the press play podcast network as he has his own podcast there what's the name of the podcast sam for our listeners
0: cabs on the break nba podcast with uh with chase smith and uh, and uh john sable from channel eight so yeah, we've got we've got uh we've got that going on tonight. We record it every Tuesday, so uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. All right, I want to
1: go back to something you said about adjustments and halftime speeches, because after the game last night, they gave the junkyard dog chain and medal to the head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, and Kevin Love said it's because of that halftime speech. Do you have any idea what he was talking about there? Did he read them the riot act because they were down six and maybe they were uh, worshiping LeBron James in the first half? Or do you have any idea what was said at halftime yesterday?
0: I I think that, yeah, I, I mean, the idea is he does tend to get on them at halftime, whether you want to call that reading them the riot act or, you know, just laying into them a little bit or a little bit further instruction. Um you know, I think that there's a lot, Kenny, that that he says that he says he can't tell us, you know, right, because it's right. it's a, a G rated, uh, you know, coverage of the Cavs. But I, I think that there's a lot of uh, probably a lot of that last night. You know, we're the better team than the Lakers this year. Let's go out and prove it. And quit being starstruck that you're in LA playing in front of all the stars. You're playing against LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. We're the better team. Go out and prove it and take it to them and make them respect you. And uh, sure enough, that's what they did. And yeah, JB got the junkyard dog because of it. Sam, so, I mean, we got to push the
2: brakes a little bit. I mean, this team's only really, teams with a winning record were 2 and 1 against. I believe it's only Boston and Toronto. So when you look at this team, do you see any weaknesses? Are they falling in love sometimes with the three point shot? Can they keep that kind of pace up?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think they could keep the pace up. If they want. if they I think if they want to continue to play this way where they're putting up a lot of threes, they need to go out and find one more veteran three point shooter, uh, which they may do at some point, you know, in free agency or or uh small, low level trade. I think the concern right now is you were expecting more out Isaac Okoro in year three. Okay. He seems to have gotten worse. Uh, He's not really contributing at all offensively. What's he have, you know, two points a game. Um, I I think that they were expecting him to have a similar ride, you know, not as dynamic Mm -hmm. as Darius Garland, but Darius Garland really came around in year three. I would think that they would, they would want to see more from Okoro, and if not, you know you're kind of lacking that extra perimeter shot. Even if even if you're just knocking down three a game uh, off the bench, so I, I think that that's going to be something that they're you know going to explore. Uh, something they could use. I don't worry about them too much sustaining the pace offensively because they've been so good defensively. You know, second-rate defense in the NBA, that's your bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Those are things we don't talk about enough. I mean, a big turning point in the game yesterday, guys, was when Dean Wade, who had two points, stepped in a passing lane, stole a Russell Westbrook pass, and dribbled down the court for his lone shot, dunk, lone basket of the game. That's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And that really, that kind of ended the Lakers' hopes for the most part um, and what they're doing defensively, yeah, that's sustainable. And you don't have to be so worried about your offense when you're doing that.
2: I love Dean Wade's game. I can't wait till he gets a little bit more comfortable. It starts really knocking down these threes. But, Sam Amico, I really want to ask you about Karis Levert's role on this team because we didn't know what to expect because we didn't get enough sample size last year. And for all intents and purposes, I think he's been playing fairly decent considering, you know, he's going to take a back seat to – Garland and Mitchell every night. Your thoughts on karis Levert?
0: Uh, that's a great point. He's been obviously taking a step back offensively. Uh, I've been impressed with how much more he's been facilitating, you know, and creating for others, and uh, not forcing things. You know, in in Indiana, he had to force stuff. So I think he had, to, you know, because they needed him to score a lot. Here, they need him to score. The Cavs do but not quite to that extent obviously option number three four or five probably even option four or five uh you know so uh he hit a couple big buckets yesterday in the fourth quarter when they needed him and that's really got to be his role keep things moving defend the opposing uh the best wing on the opponent and uh and you know score when we need you so You know, as a guy who really, you talk about adjustments, had to make adjustments to their individual games, nobody's had to do it more than Levert. I think he's doing well, and he'll only get more comfortable, I would suspect, as the season goes on.
1: Sam Amico, our guest, happy to be talking Cavs basketball with him. Follow him on Twitter, at Amico Hoops. Sam, I want to talk a a little bit about You know, JT asked you about weaknesses of this team. Can they maintain the three-point shooting? Well, I was talking with Michael Regai last night. We do a podcast as well on Press Play Podcast Network, and we were talking about Evan Mobley. And he seems, uh, I mean, the numbers aren't horrible, right? But he just doesn't seem um, in tune with what they're doing offensively, whereas Mitchell and Garland, even though they haven't played together, they seem like, okay, they're fine with each other. He seems out of sorts a little bit. Have you noticed that? And how long do you think that will take before maybe he gets into the flow of this offense?
0: Definitely, definitely out of sorts. Um, like you said, the numbers don't really show that a lot. Yesterday at five points, The the he he just offensively, you know, he just seems like he's struggling to handle the ball. You know, if you remember his, uh, last year at this time, he was always making the right play, always making the right read, forcing nothing. I feel it's almost the 50s starting to force stuff a little bit uh, yeah. more than he was. And I think that it's been a big adjustment for him having Mitchell. And not, that's not a negative thing. It's just he's the one guy who's kind of got to figure this out. You know, last year he had that great dynamic with Garland. Uh, so often offensively, and uh, this year he's just he's just out of sorts. Maybe that you know J.B. Bickerstaff that said he didn't have a preseason. You know he kind of this is kind of his preseason because he had the ankle issue, um, right. and, and Darius Garland's been out all but what two and a half games. So I think those two things really impacted Mobley. I would suspect that he'll get it going here again soon. Um, You know, and that's offensively. Defensively, he's been a difference maker with Jared Allen. And I suspect that that is going to continue, you know, blocking eight shots in in Detroit uh, and really being a force under the basket. Defensively, offensively, just needs to get in the rhythm. And I think that it's just been because he's had Mitchell and not Garland very often. And I think once he gets used to playing with those two dynamic backcourt players, he'll be okay. Just might take a little bit more time for him.
2: You know, I'm hoping, you know, with such a dynamic backcourt, we're not going back towards the old offense, the isolation ball. Please tell me that with these uh, the, these guards in Mitchell and Garland, we're not going to go back in that direction, are we, Sam?
0: No, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff's not going to allow go that. Ahead. Um you know, that's the one thing that he preaches is we're only going to be successful at this because we don't have, unless, Kenny, you're right, and Mitchell becomes that guy, we don't have a super-duper star. We have five really good players, you know, a three-time All-Star in Mitchell, All-Star in Garland, All-Star in Allen, rising player in Mobley, a guy who could put up 40 in Lavert occasionally We've got to make, we've all got to work as a unit because we start going one on one. Yeah, that's where that's look. The Brooklyn Nets had too much one on one. Look where they are. You know, the Lakers had too much one on one. Look where they are. Uh, there are several other teams that, that kind of you could say fit that bill. The teams that are winning and overachieving are the teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, the Cavs. You look at the Raptors when they're healthy. They play team basketball, and that's what's going to get it done. Boston last year getting the Eastern Conference Finals, or the, the Finals, and, and the Warriors. Those teams all have good players, but they play as a unit, and Bickerstaff realizes that. The Cavs realize it as players, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think that that's a concern. Sam, we
1: always appreciate the time. Keep up the fantastic work there at hoopswire.com. Everybody follow them at Amico Hoops on Twitter, and we'll talk again soon, all right? All right, Kenny and JT, thanks for having me. Talk to you again soon. All right, come see me for Monday Night Football, Sam. Pizza's on me. There he is, Sam Amico, one of the best in the business, breaking it down Cavs-wise for you right here on the Kenny and JT Show.